You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today's guest is Jesse Cole. Jesse is the owner of a baseball team, and he and his team sell out 4,000-plus seats to every single game, and there's even a waiting list to get tickets. Now, you're wondering, well, what team is this? I'll give you a hint. It's not a major league team. It's not a minor league team. It's not even triple A. It's actually a college summer baseball league. Sounds unbelievable, right? Well, Jesse Cole is the owner of the Savannah Bananas. And to put it simply, they make baseball fun. They focus on fan-first entertainment. And trust me, nobody gets this like Jesse does. We actually don't even talk too much about baseball, but we really get into the idea of designing the ultimate customer experience. And much of what Jesse is going to share is actually from his book, Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out. And I'll tell you what, Jesse truly is someone who stands out, and we'll really get into that into this interview. And also, it's going to help us all to create a better customer experience. This is an interview I'm so excited about, so let's go ahead and jump into it now. Jesse, glad to have you on the Creating a Brand podcast today. Uh, excited to be with you, Alex. You know, I shared a little bit about you to, to our audience already. However, I know there's a lot to your story. And before we really get into our main topic today, I just want to hear a little bit of your background, where you came from. So can you just kind of give us a little brief overview of your background? Because I know you came from humble beginnings with starting a, a baseball team. And I kind of just want to hear where you came from. Sure. Well, I was a baseball guy turned more of a showman running a circus now here in Savannah, Georgia. I grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, I was fortunate to have a father who invested in, in my love of baseball and bought a baseball facility up in Massachusetts so I could train year round and fell in love with the game, was fortunate to get college scholarship to come down south and then tore my shoulder that ended my baseball career. I thought I would get into coaching. You know, I thought I'd go into coaching, but I realized something that I loved playing the game, but I hated watching the game, and it wasn't fun for me. So I took a job where I was a general manager of a team working in the front office, and my sole job was to get people to come watch the game that even I felt was boring. And so I started in Gastonia, and uh, those were some first humble beginnings that not many people know about. You know, uh, I found out my first day that the team you know, was losing over $100,000 a year, and there were only 200 fans coming to the games. And there was only $268 in the bank account on my first day. So that's <laughs> that's how I started at 23 years old and was fortunate to grow that based on really becoming more of an entertainment business and not a baseball business and uh, started selling out games, bought that team, had huge success, later sold that team. And you know the humble beginnings that you're talking about was when we took a expansion franchise into Savannah, Georgia, and there was professional baseball here for 90 years that failed. No one came to the games and they left. They said, baseball does not work in Savannah. So us, we thought with a college summer baseball team, which is the lowest level of baseball, we thought it could be successful. And so we came to Savannah and uh, we immediately failed. We sold one ticket in the first two months and uh, got so bad that uh, I remember getting a phone call on a Friday, six months into it, that we overdrafted our account. We were completely out of money. And that's when my wife and I sold our dream house, emptied our savings account, and we're sleeping on an airbed. And that was, you know, just by the time this, this release is probably less than four years ago. So, and what's happened since then is, you know, you've shared it. We've been fortunate to sell out every single game for three straight seasons, have a wait list in the thousands and become kind of a national phenomenon. But as you know, it's not an overnight success. It's been a wild ride and excited to share it with you and your audience. Yeah. So, you know, that I want to kind of transition with that, those comments there, because obviously you did something that turned it from that one ticket sale into a waiting list in the thousands now. And you know, I've listened to you speak. I've had the opportunity to meet you as well and to, to read some of your material. 
And you're definitely business minded, but I don't think that you had some magic formula for business necessarily, right? What, what changed to make it from one person buying to really getting a giant audience and almost a, a community around it? What, what did you do? Like, what was that process like for you? We stopped doing what people hate. simply put (laughs) you know i mean the reality is that is it you know how many companies out there continue to do things that customers hate or how many companies do things out there that their employees hate we realized that we could not be successful doing that so as simply as a put and i don't think it was that eloquent uh back in the day we just said hey there's a problem with baseball people are Mm -hmm. bored the game is too long the game is too slow and people get nickel and dimed so we said what is the opposite of that and one thing I believe more than anything is whatever's normal, do the exact opposite because normal gets normal results. And so many of us are just doing the normal things. We're doing the status quo. And I'm so against that. So because I realized it doesn't work. So the reality is we learned that baseball was long, slow, and boring. So we made it a circus. And what do I mean by that? I mean, our players do choreographed dances every single game. We have a break dancing first base coach that dances every game. We have a 20-piece pep band, the only one in baseball that plays at all of our games. We have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas that dance to Justin Timberlake, the Bruno <laughs> Mars. We have a male cheerleading team called the Mananas. And on the back of the jersey, it says Dad Bod Cheerleading Squad. Wow. We have, I mean, we have a, a DJ Peels on Wheels, which is our, the first ever mobile DJ that plays music on a Segway and goes around the stadium. We've built a circus and a baseball game just happens to break out because we wow. no longer can people say baseball is long, slow and boring when you're putting on a circus. And then in regards to the other problem about nickel and dime, and Alex, you, you've probably been there. You go to any you know sporting event, concert venue, it's six bucks for this, seven bucks for this, eight bucks for this, you name it, burgers, dogs, drinks. I was like, no one likes that. So stop doing what people hate. So we made right. all of our tickets all-inclusive. Every ticket includes all your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken sandwiches, your soda, your water, your popcorn, and your dessert. And not just for an hour, all night, from when the gates open to when you leave. And it's a total of $18. And that includes the ticket. Yeah, I love that. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So again, through a lot of trial and error and failures, and again, this has been, I've been in the industry, you know, coming up to 15 years in a little bit. And the reality is we tried this and we realized that, wow, you know, people love it. And they started talking about it. And again, I believe in what we teach with our fans first experience workshops. It's, it's all about creating an experience where your customers become fans and they are the ones that do all the marketing. We spend $0 on traditional marketing right now, but we spend everything on the experience. And we've been fortunate, like I said, to sell it every game. And our wait list is well into the thousands for tickets for a college summer team because we focus on the experience. And I believe every business needs to do that. And to keep it simple, it's, it's fans first. That's our whole mantra. That's everything that we do. And that's what we teach. That's great. You know, you're talking about experience first and how you're not even spending money on traditional advertising or marketing by of any sense. I've I think that's a really rare thing in today's world because it, not that there's anything wrong with this, but everyone talks about the sales funnel, you know, getting people in the door and then you can upsell, 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 upsell. That's my problem even with with our local baseball team. Sure, going to the games for me, I, I enjoy it. I think it's fun. However, I know, yes, you're selling me the half price ticket because it's on a Thursday instead of a Friday. But as soon as I get in, I'm, if I want a drink, I'm paying $8. If I want any food, I'm spending 10 I'm not going to leave for less than 30 or $40, no matter what. And it's the same thing with many people that are starting businesses. We have these, these sales funnels ideas, which is, okay, what can we do to get them in the door with spending our money on advertising, get them in the door. And they're not really worried about the experience. They're saying, what can I sell them next is more the idea. And there's two things that are, that are wrong with that. First, I heard about, you said, oh, half off. I heard a great quote, you know, discounting is the tax you pay for being average. <laughs> That's good. 
I like that. Discounting is a tax you pay for being mediocre. And so we've been fortunate. We've had no sales, no discounts. And companies that are doing that is there's a problem because their value, what they're providing, isn't providing that or isn't the, the customers aren't seeing that. You have to discount to get them in. That's the number one problem. The number two problem, I think, no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I want to be marketed to today. I want to be advertised to today. I hope someone calls me today and they try to sell me. That no one, zero people wake up. And you talk about like a sales funnel. Like, who? Oh, ah, I hope I wake up today. I get going down a funnel. I'm just going to keep getting sold. No one wants that. Yet us as marketers, we continue to do it because we have some success with it. We say, oh, this worked. Let's do it again. It's wrong. And I think it's very easy to see the ROI of marketing, of advertising, of sales calls, but it's very hard to see the ROI of creating an amazing experience because that, my friend, is playing the long game. And very few businesses, they don't have the patience or the ability to go through this long game. And we've been fortunate. We were down to our last dollar. I don't know how much longer we could have played it. Uh, Living on the airbed and down to literally dollars. I mean, we were grocery shopping for my wife and I for an entire week at Walmart and only spending $30, which the food we were eating, I mean, that wasn't even real food. (laughs) Right. At that point, it's not. But we believed in what we're doing. So I think, you know, question, what are we doing? Are you advertising like everyone else? Are you marketing like everyone else? Are you trying to make the same sales call like everyone else? Then you're going to get results like everyone else. But if you go all in on the experience and let your customers become fans and do the marketing for you, it's game over. And and that's what that's when business becomes fun. And fortunately, now we're, we're having the time of our life. That's great. Now, I, I want to get into the main topic here in a second, but I kind of have another question that just kind of popped in my head here. If you were to go back today, let's just say you're, you're just getting started in Savannah and you're developing this customer experience, which again, takes longer than maybe just doing some top dollar marketing and just doing your best to get everyone in there. So you're playing the long game. Do you think that you could do it quicker if you went back and did it all over again with the knowledge that you have now? Yes, possibly, um, because we wouldn't have done the same things. Like when we started here in Savannah, we were marketing, we were doing the same social media, newspaper, everything. We probably would have been even more into the content game of, of sharing our story and giving you know, our fans permission on how to share it. But that, you know, that's a good question. I, I think it's tough to go back because I think you know, everything happens for a reason. Of course. Oh, of course. We're four years into Savannah. Um, it's our fourth season. And it, relatively, that's pretty quick. But it was also the 10 years before in Gastonia where we were doing small bets and failing with flatulence fun nights and salute to underwear nights and grandma beauty pageants and all that. We had to have those small bets that you fail. And I think every company every day should be experimenting and trying small bets. We often think so much, but we don't do. We think, oh, we could do this. We could do this. Start doing. Our whole big thing is doing and learn. We do promotions every night that might not work well. Well, I mean, there's things that happen when we give away porta johns or colon cleansings. I mean, when our players get on the dugouts and, and take their clothes, it's weird. All right, <laughs> right. We learn from it, but the reality is, I think so many people are, are so scared to try new things, and I think that that's where you have the real learning. And it's doing and learn. What can you do today to learn something for tomorrow? That's good, and I, I like the, the experience side instead of just trying to just market your way to something. Like it, it takes a little bit longer, and for our audience, I wanted to ask that question because I don't want them necessarily thinking, "Well, I don't want to sleep on a couch, or you know, like an air mattress, or only have thirty dollars for groceries." And um, my whole point is that's not necessarily what's going to happen, but it will take maybe a little bit longer, like you're saying. But the reward is far more worth it because if you would have just stuck the traditional marketing route and maybe got really, really good at it you still wouldn't have the success that you have today less than four years later. 100%. And I think an easy starting point is to ask the question, what makes you different? Mm -hmm. What makes you stand out? 
And most companies, the answer, and I was guilty of this before, it's like, oh, well, you know, we're a little better prices or our food's a little better or the show's a little better. Better isn't different. What can you be the only at? And when you answer that question with only, that's when you become so distinct that everyone is sharing about your experience. And that's what we question every day. Like, we're the only team with a breakdancing first base coach. We're the only team where our players do a specific choreographed dance every single night. We're the only team with a professional high-fiver. We have a six-year-old kid with his jersey on the back says, hi, number five. And his whole job is to high-five everyone in the stadium. We come up with all these characters and things to be the only. So then people we know will talk about it. Because people don't talk about things that are the same as everyone else. So if you're trying to create a brand, it's answer that question. What makes you different? What can you be the only at? Because I'll tell you, that's how you can expedite your success because that's what your customers will be sharing. That's so good. I mean, that you're looking after what makes you unique and we all have something that makes us unique. It's a matter of finding it and then executing it in a way that other people can, can see it and it can be tangible for them as well. Yeah. And you find it by trying new things, going back full circle. You find it by experimenting. You know, we didn't have a full pep band or a breakdancing first base coach or the senior citizen dance team when we first started. We started with just saying, hey, what if we're the only team where our players do dances? And I'll tell you, in the beginning, the players were the worst dancers I've ever seen. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) They were just doing the jump on it dance or the Cupid shuffle. That's it. Now, they are literally doing like a full-fledged Britney Spears dance. I mean, you name it. I mean, they're doing a full choreograph. So it's evolved, the iterations of it. And I think just start with that one thing. And then all of a sudden, you can start understanding who your brand is. And we are known for the circus. If you go on Google and and, and the, the reviews, people say it's like a circus and a baseball game breaks out. They're using our language because that's all we talk about. Yeah. Side question here. Can they still play baseball if they're this good at dancing and all that? Are they still able to play? This is the most fascinating thing in the world, I think. And we had a a professor at Georgia Southern actually do a study on this because he didn't believe it. Our team has the best record in the league every year. And I say this and like, we don't focus on the baseball. And I'm saying this humbly, like, because this isn't our focus. But when you create a fun atmosphere, when you create a great culture, everything else takes care of itself. And what's happened is the players come here and have fun. And you know this, you were just telling me before the show how much you love, you know, building content and creating content. You already are amazing at it. And you're going to be, you know, next level. I mean, you're, you could be second to none at what you do because you have fun with it. And if you're not having fun doing what you're doing, you're not going to be great at it. So what this professor, he studied statistics of players of all the teams in the league to see if there was any correlation between playing better on our team And there was only one team that had an unbelievably strong correlation. This was looking at offensive statistics, and it was the Savannah Bananas. So basically what this professor said, by putting on a Savannah Bananas uniform, you will play better. And and the argument is that culture equals better performance. And I think a lot of people focus on the same things every other company is doing. But if you focus on the experience, the culture, the atmosphere, the profit, the revenues, and the performance will take care of itself. Yeah, that's good. So I want to transition here to kind of our, our main topic where I want to really want to talk about designing the ultimate customer experience because clearly when it comes down to it, that's what you've done. You've created a customer experience. And there's something you said early on that I really liked. You said, whatever is normal, do the exact opposite. Can you explain what that means from a customer experience standpoint? Well, I, I think that's the second step. And, you know, when we walk companies through the workshop, you know, a lot of things we start is with the problems. I hate talking about problems, but if if you want to create a great experience, you got to be able to solve problems. And I think a lot of companies don't actually realize, first, the macro level of problems in their industry. So give an example, like, you know, for us, baseball, as we said, long, slow and boring, and people get nickel and dimes. 
You could look at it. I mean, look at what were the problems in the cab industry? You know, what were the problems, you know, with the, the rental video blockbuster? Industry? I mean, you could look at any of these problems and see how Uber came up with what they did, how Netflix came up with what they did. I mean, how any of these innovative companies, I mean, Airbnb, you know, the problems with the hotel industry. It's very simple. I mean, you could problem with the banking industry. I mean, I know I have a bank that I call. I won't give any names, but it takes me seven minutes to be able to talk to someone. I had a press one for this press. Two. That's a problem. So what we do is we walk companies through and say, all right, let's evaluate. What are the problems in your industry? And let's write them all down. Let's get them out. And we have other, other people go back and forth. Well, this is another problem. You know, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a dentist, you name it. That's where you got to start. Because I think a lot of people say, oh, we, we have this product. Is it actually addressing a big problem from the macro level of the industry? And so that's where we start. And then we get to that normal opposite list. And we write down, what's the normal experience? I mean, you could write it. What's the normal experience of going to a restaurant? You show up. Sometimes you're barely greeted. You're waiting for the hostess. You got to go up. Then you wait. You sit and wait. There's nothing going on. There's no entertainment. Then you get a seat. Sometimes the, the person takes care of you with drinks right away. Sometimes you have to wait for them. I mean, you could write their whole normal experience. I mean, how many times do you leave a restaurant? No one even thanks you. Yeah. I mean, all, all the time. So you write down the normal experience and say, all right, what's the exact opposite of that? And that's how I think you have great innovation. And so we walk companies through this and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but you have to start understanding the problems and understanding what's the normal experience to be able to deliver an amazing experience. So you're looking at doing the exact opposite of what the problem is, right? I'm trying to understand how exactly you're running through this framework. So the, like the problem in baseball, the, the, the big problem, well, first it's, it's, it's long and slow and boring. So we made it nonstop entertainment and we literally have no dead air. Our PA announcer, DJ, plays music in between every pitch, or the band's playing, or there's something like, that's the opposite of a long, slow, and boring. Or you get people and dimed, and you pay this, we give you a wristband where all your food's included. So that's the exact opposite. You know, those are the things, like a coach coaches. No, for us, a coach would dance. Players play. No, players dance and deliver roses in the crowd and do conga lines. So that's where we start. Yeah. And I guess you have to be willing to, to fail sometimes because the exact opposite can end up weird, right? As clearly, uh, you're not afraid of trying some weird things, it sounds like, with your team. But uh, I'm guessing if you're going to do the exact opposite. Sometimes it ends up not working out. You just have to be willing to adjust or continue to tweak. Or what does that look like for you guys? So again, what is any, and again, we don't, it's, so I get asked a question all the time. It's like, tell me about your failures. Like, we don't even think of them. Like, mm -hmm. just another bet. And, and we move on to the next one. And I think when you're doing so many micro bets, you don't even think about the failure. So, you know, I mean, yes, we do promotions that fail. We do things that don't work well. But here's what happens. They're all building our brand. So, mm -hmm. and it builds a story. So, for instance, like we did a proposal the other night. And it's kind of edgy. We actually have, it was a woman, a girlfriend, and she has to feel people's butts blindfolded and guess <laughs> who her boyfriend's butt is. And as she guessed the butt, all of a sudden, she took her blindfold off, and he was down on a knee to propose. Uh, thank goodness she guessed the right butt. Um, right. <laughs> that created attention, and we ended up getting covered on you know hundreds of thousands of views, and it, it created a lot of attention. But the reality is, like you never know what's going to happen, but it builds the brand. So if our brand is this fun, unique, crazy, circus-like brand, we're very clear on that. So we'll do things that may not go well, but people, oh, it's just part of what the bananas do. Yeah. Have you had to overcome any fear of doing the exact opposite? Because again, or doing the exact opposite of what's normal. Have you ever overcome like fear of, of actually doing that? Because again, anything that's not normal in today's world seems to be criticized pretty quick. Challenging the status quo, right? And that what that would be? Yeah. And yeah, I overcome fear every day. And, and I mean that in the sense, you know, when we met, what was I wearing? Oh, I mean, I knew who it was because you were wearing the yellow tux. I mean, I knew exactly. Yeah. And so I started as just wearing that yellow tuxedo at our games because I was the showman. It was about the circus. 
And then I started doing that speaking appearances. And then I started doing every single day in the office. Then I started doing it wherever I go. And it was tough for me because, you know, people see on the outside, who is this crazy guy? What's wrong with him? You know, he's trying to get all this attention. And the reality is that's who I am. I'm a showman and I'm on stage and it's like my uniform. When I put it on, it means it's showtime. And so for me, you know, my first few times going to conferences, just give an example, the year before at PodFest, before I, I met you, I showed up there and not many people knew who I was. And immediately I know people are thinking, what's wrong with this guy? But what I've learned is that once you get attention, which I did, and people learn who you are and what you stand for, it's well worth it. And I'd rather get the attention first and build people in the brand than not have the attention, have to work really hard to get their attention. That's fear every day. I mean, I know when I go through an airport, I'm going to give a big speaking uh, appearance and people are just looking at me like it's, it's uncomfortable. But now I'm starting to embrace it because I know the long game and the attention will win. Well, I mean, here's the deal. I'll tell you one example of how it worked for you. I had never actually seen you before, aside from the cover of your book. I'd heard you speak a few times. However, when I was sitting there, you mentioned PodVest. When I was sitting there, I was about six rows behind you, and I saw a guy wearing a yellow hat. So I like kind of leaned over so I could see what your body was like too. I like to see what else you're wearing. I'm like, what is this dude wearing? And I saw a yellow tux. And in my mind, I immediately said, that's Jesse Cole. Like no one else would be wearing that here, like for sure. And I was like, as soon as this session's over, I'm gonna go talk to him because I've always wanted to meet this guy ever since picking <laughs> up his book and hearing him talk. So it worked for you then if you were wearing just what, what I might've been wearing that day, just something random, I wouldn't have known you were there. Well, thank you. And I think, I think that, that there's a key point here. Everyone has something that makes them stand out. Mm-hmm. What are you known for? We talk about creating a brand and, and I think there's a huge correlation between a brand of a business and a personal brand. I think they go together, especially even more in, as we move you know, forward with what's happening uh, as far as content out there, you need to build your personal brand. What are you known for? And it doesn't always have to be an appearance. You know, it could be a beard or crazy hair. But you know, for instance, it could be you always write a thank you note. You always have a very unique business card. You have a crazy big name tag that you wear. You know, there's something that you're known for. But you want to have something that people can identify you as. Because again, what is all marketing? All marketing is, is it shareable? Are people talking about it? And you got to build that to yourself. So, you know, you either be so good that they can't ignore you, which is the great quote by Steve Martin, which is obviously everything we should all aspire to be. But that's a long, long, hard road to be so good that they don't ignore you. You have to get better every single day, which hopefully we all do. Or you have something that maybe hacks the system a little bit that's unique about you that people can start learning about you in a different way. Because again, people have said, oh yeah, he's the guy in the yellow tux. I don't care, Alex, if people don't know my name specifically. But if they know the guy in the yellow tux, oh, he talks about standing out and talks about the fan's first experience, I'm okay with that. Like right now, someone told me the other day, you just search yellow tux on Google and it's all you. Right, it is. I tried that. What words do you own in people's minds? And we learn this from Google owns search. We learn this from Tim Ferriss. When he came up, he owned four hours. What do you own? And I'm okay with owning yellow tux. And now for our business, I want to own fans first. And I want to, that's what I want to own. And once you do that, again, it makes marketing and everything else easier. If you're creating a brand, whether it's a personal brand through a blog or influencing on social media or a professional brand with a product or service that you're offering, the creating a brand community is for you. We are your digital mastermind or tribe. Our community is built on our own custom social media platform where we share our experiences, recommendations, and solve real problems together. In addition, all members have exclusive access to our many online courses. Ultimately, we are a powerful community of entrepreneurs that are helping each other succeed. You will always go further in life and in business when you're part of a healthy community. I'm so passionate about this that I'm going to ask you to do something for me right now. 
Visit creatingabrand.com and join our community today. You can start for free and it will take you less than three minutes to set up. Once you join, message me directly. I'd love to have a conversation with you and welcome you to our community. You're talking fans first. I kind of want to continue on your framework here as we're talking through just designing the ultimate customer experience. What's next after what we've already discussed? What's kind of our next step as we're doing this for our own brands that we're creating? So once you get the the normal opposite plan and you start really creating your attention plan, and that's, you know, what are you doing to create attention? You got to actually look at your current customer journey. And everyone has a similar current customer journey. You know, you have your first impression, whether that's the website, whether that's uh, online, whether that's walking into your retail place, whatever. Then you have your buying experience. Then you have your after buying experience. So if you were to picture a map and you got three or four blocks, everyone has that. So we'll go through that with the company and say, let's look at your current customer journey. All right. And then what makes that different? No, everyone goes through that. Then we go to the reimagined fan journey. And this is where it gets interesting. This isn't just four blocks. It may, it's, it's four blocks, but there are ton of sp- there's a ton of space in between. And you win in the transitions. Every company has a buying process. Every company has a first impression or last impression. But it's the transitions where you really win. And to give you an example, for instance, when someone buys a ticket from us, they get an immediate video, not just a payment conversation, but it's a video of our entire staff celebrating in banana costumes, then a banana nana coming and perfectly selecting your tickets and putting them on a silk pillow and raising them up as we celebrate with the Lion King song, and then walking them down the corridor and putting them in maximum security in our vault where they're watched 24-7. Like, that's the video you get. And then you get a thank you call from our staff. A thank you call. Like I have a list right on my desk today because every day I'll make thank you calls just thanking them for their tickets. And then as they show up, we actually have playlists that we have of music, of music you should listen to on the way to the game built by the players and the staff. And then when you'll see a parking penguin dressed up, that's literally parking your car dressed up like a penguin and passing out freezy pops and saying, stay cool. And then you'll see our players out there greeting. These are all transitions. They haven't experienced our game, but they've experienced us. Gosh, blowing my mind right now. Crazy. Just Even just in a podcast. All right, you ask someone to be a part of the podcast. What happens in between that time? Are there gifts? Are there messages? Are there personalized videos? Everybody has that. In an invoice, does an invoice have to be just an invoice? Could there be a thank you message, a thank you note? Could there be something with the invoice? Everyone has these processes, but no one thinks about the transitions. That's what we teach. That's what we talk about because that's where we've been able to win. And when we're going through a, with a company on this, what we talk about is like, think about the emotions. We talk about uh, the design, the product, but do we design the emotions that we want our fans to have? And I'm not going to talk about customers anymore because we don't even think of them as customers. We think of them as fans. There's actually more negative emotions in the English dictionary than there are positive emotions. So that means we feel negative emotions more, the frustration, the anger, you know, the disappointment, but it's the positive emotions we want people to feel, the surprise, the awe, the delight, the happiness. And so we actually design those and we let people pick what emotions do you really want people to feel? And for us, it's the shock, surprise, happiness. We talk about happy tears. We want people so happy that they actually get emotional. When you start picking that, Alex, then it makes very clear on what you make for your decisions in the transitions. And again, you win in the transitions. 
And that's that's the separator between every company. Man, that is fantastic. That's something I've actually not heard anyone else share. So I really like that you you just brought that up because that's something, again, people aren't really talking about that. You're thinking, this is my beautiful, again, I'm going back to the sales funnel. This is my beautiful funnel. This is the way it works. Customer's going to do this, then they're going to have to do that. Next is this. They're not thinking about what's happening in between those times. What's the emotion that's coming up for an actual individual? I really enjoy that you're, you're talking about this topic right now because I, I think it's just something that people aren't getting right now. It, it's not part of the normal experience. I can't tell you last time I had an experience of buying something or going to an event where I enjoyed the transition period. Normally, it's actually painful. You know, and again, it's uh, this is trial and error. Each year, we try to get a little bit better. But I've learned a lot from Joey Coleman, never lose a customer again. He just spent uh, the weekend here with me down at, at the Bananas Game. And he talks about this as well. And I remember Donna Cutting in the book, 501 Ways to Roll Out the Red Carpet. I mean, she talked about a restaurant, Mama D's, out in California, that literally people show up early so they can be in line and wait. And it's like, what? It's like, because when you're waiting, they bring out the best meatballs and the best appetizers for you while you're waiting. That's a transition. The waiting period usually sucks, but they make it better. And give you another example here, people call us, it happened again two days ago. Can you put us on hold? We're like, excuse me? We just want to hear your hold music. And, and, and this happens because our hold music is ring, 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 banana phone. Like we, we think about that. And even our voice, now we have, uh, you've reached the Savannah, na, 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 like the song from uh, Havana. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a singer that records that song about the banana in that same uh, tone. And we just recorded that. That goes out. So think about all those little normal things that everyone goes through. How do you make them part of your brand? And they don't always have to be fun. We are very specific because our brand is fun. It's like the circus. But whoever you're trying to be, look at those touch points. Our bathrooms, our rival is making bacon. So of course, all of our urinal cakes in the men's bathroom are making bacon urinal cakes. So people are literally going to the bathroom on our rival's logo. That's our experience. In our women's bathroom, we have signs that say, drop it like it's hot. And again, it's just these little fun. We don't have the nicest bathrooms. You have to sacrifice something. Our bathrooms are not great. They're 1926 stadium, but we know we're fun. And so I think it's looking at those little points. How do you create that brand? Yeah, that's so good. I could I could ask another 10 questions on this topic. We I keep on moving for sake of time, but what you're sharing right now is gold. I mean, that is that is amazing. Really good stuff. It kind of something you mentioned a couple of times is just a fan first mentality. Is that kind of the next step or am I jumping ahead there? Yeah, I mean, I think the fans first mentality is is who you are and what do you stand for? And how do you simplify it? Every company in the world, well, not every, many companies in the world have a mission statement. Yet how many people in that organization know it? Or how many people in the organization does it actually resonate with? And so we are so clear and so simplified. The name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. Our mission is Fans First Entertain Always. Every decision we make, is it fans first? So like, that's all we talk about. That's all we celebrate after games. Talk about the fans first moments. What was something fans first that we did today? On Friday, our staff sends an email. What was something they did that was fans first? What was something that they noticed a peer do that was fans first? When we give recognition, which we do a ton of that in special trips, and there's, I could talk about recognition for days, but it's all based on fans first. So when you're so clear on that, it makes it very easy for your people to deliver those type experiences. If you have a, a mission statement that's two paragraphs long that says words like integrity and humility and you know words that don't really resonate with people, good luck. It's everyone, everyone's on their own. And we're just trying to have synergy between our players, our staff, our team, our fans, everybody. And it gives an example. It's like the other night, a player went to go get an autograph. The kids all asked for autographs. And the player says, only if you give me yours first. And he's got hundreds of autographs all over his hat. And now the other players are doing it. 
then they're getting autographs from the kids because they know that's creating a fan's first moment. And these are players who just came with us for, for the summer. Like our catcher the other day literally ran the bases with one girl at 1130 at night after a long rain delay. No one else was left in the stadium. And she just wanted to keep running the bases. And he stayed there with her running for 20 to 30 minutes. And those are the stories we share. If you really want to be a great business, you need to have stories that back up your mission, that back up your core beliefs, and you need to share them with everybody. Yeah, you, what you're mentioning here is you've developed, you've gone past just a mission statement or vision. You've, you've put this into the culture. It's been engraved. And there's, there's a quote I love to, to say with this. So it's what's talked about in the halls is more powerful than what's written on the walls. I think a lot of times we want to come up with a mission statement, stick it on the wall and say, this is who we are. This is what we do. And then it never gets mentioned again. No, you've engraved it in the culture and the identity of who you guys are. And that's what's made the difference. You guys have this fan first mentality because it is truly who you guys are. It's not just a pretty piece of paper with some big words on it, right? 100%. And the greatest leaders are repeatable. They say the same thing over and over again. If you want to be a great leader, I'd ask, can your staff, can your employees do a great imitation of you? If they can't do a great imitation of you, that means you're not saying the same things over and over again. That means you're, you know, you're not staying true to what you believe in. And so I remember we did a, a fun video. Now, video we're big into, and I think that's you know where we're going. We have a full-time videographer. We have other videographers to help us throughout the year. And we did a video where everyone played a different role. So we actually, it was like, we switched, it was like diversity day. Like we literally switched roles. And this was back when my wife was pregnant. So she played me and I played her, which was ridiculous. So she's in the yellow tuxedo and she's saying, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. Attention marketing 1000% of the time. And she's literally just quoting me left and right. And everyone's laughing because they know that's what I say. Yeah, I hear you say it. And that made me proud. And so, you know, even for you, Alex, in this podcast, like what things are you saying over and over again that people can identify you by? So now I want to kind of transition into just talking about this kind of, you're really getting into some, some customer loyalty and you call them fans, not even customers. How important is that? Because I, I find businesses today, we just want the transaction. We don't, we want more customers. We just want to show that we've had a million customers in the last year, but how many of them are really fans and is a fan more powerful? Because if you just have a couple thousand or a thousand really loyal fans instead of just one-time customers, that's going to be a lot better for you than, than just that transaction that you keep on going after. Obviously, like you, we're both lifelong learners. And I listen to podcasts and read constantly. And there was a great podcast on Masters of Scale. And I think it was with the founder of Instagram. And he said, love is better than like. And it's better to have 100 people that love you than thousands that kind of like you. And that resonated with me so much because I think that's what we've been fortunate to build here in Savannah. And, you know, one of my other uh, more recent mentors that I look up to is Brian Chesky, the founder of Airbnb. And he said, if you really want to scale a business, do things that aren't scalable in the beginning. And that was just, I, I didn't understand that. And he said, in the beginning, when Airbnb launched, I personally went to all of the houses and I took the pictures. I took the photographs because I wanted them to be great photographs that would help people find out about Airbnb and say, this is a great fit for us. That's not scalable. But what happened is he developed all those original people of Airbnb. They loved him. They're like, wait, the founder's coming to take pictures of my house so it'll help me do more business? He focused on love instead of life. And so what we do is, is yeah, we go all out. And it's okay to an extent to play favorites. I think everyone says, you know, if you do it for one fan, you need to do it for all of them. That is not not true. You know, when we, one of the best lessons I've learned was from Darren Ross, the CEO of Magic Castle Hotel, which is the number two rated hotel in all of Hollywood, all of LA. And it's not a nice hotel. It's an old hotel. And what he does is he said, he said, we teach our people to listen carefully and respond creatively. And we 
hears about people like, hey, you know, we're big Marilyn Monroe fans. We're going to see her star. His staff will actually buy Marilyn Monroe's posters and put them up in the room for when they return. And that's how you create love. So we listen. Like if we know one of our fans are going through this or an anniversary or they're coming in from, you know, I mean, we have people fly in and drive in from all over. We'll plan special things at their seats or plan special things on the field or let them get a VIP experience in the dugout. That's not for every fan. But I think that's, that's you focus on the love. How many people absolutely love you? And it's okay if it's a small number because they are the ones that will be spreading, you know, what you do with everybody. Yeah. You know, this, this reminds me of a conversation actually I had a couple of years ago. I'm going to share real quick, but there was, a, I'm going to leave her, make her nameless because she told me a few inside things about her business and stuff I'm not going to share, but it was this very successful businesswoman. I just heard her speak. I had the opportunity to sit and talk with her for a minute and she just had a life that was so attractive to me because she was just, she enjoyed it. She didn't, she wasn't a workaholic. She spent all the time she wanted with her family. She loved the people that were her customers. She called them customers, but she absolutely loved them. And I, I asked her, I'm like, well, do you like make a lot of new customers? She goes, Alex, I'm going to be real with you. I've helped just over 1,200 people total ever. And she goes, but every single one of those people has stayed with me all the way through. And because of that, I have a loyal following and tribe and I'm just adding as much value as I can to them. And that makes me feel more fulfilled and I'm helping them along the way as well. So this woman, again, multimillionaire who's so satisfied with her life doesn't have, she's not going to show on her website, 10 million transactions. She's got 1,200 people that she spent her time and life helping and just adding value to them. And that's all she needed. And she was really happy with that. And that kind of changed my whole perspective on this because I think a lot of us when we're younger, especially getting into business, you want that, you want big numbers, right? That's what we all want. We want to see, oh, I'm helping like a million people or I'm doing this or I'm getting all these transactions. And we go after that when what you're saying, it's all about this. It's all about love. And if you're going after the other, it's really just, you might be in it for the wrong reasons. A hundred percent. You know, I think right now, more than ever, we are quote unquote, the most connected we've ever been. Yet we're the least connected as far as deep relationships. You know, for her, 1,200 people, and if she has deep connections with that, I mean, and I'm sure she does, that's so powerful because that's what really matters. You know, we're all chasing these numbers and there's all these vanity metrics on how many followers, how many subscribers. That is not when we're on our deathbed, we're gonna be thinking about, wow, I'm so glad that I had 1.1 million people following me. How many people were really there? And it's sad because, you know, you're hearing more about suicides in the entrepreneur world. You're seeing more depression. And it's because we're following the wrong metrics and we're following the likes and we're not following the deep connections with people. And that was my word for this year. Every year I take a word, I choose a word and I've choose care and love and give. And this year it's connection because I'd rather have more deeper connections that make an impact on my life and I can make an impact on theirs than having thousands of people that, oh yeah, I know him. It's not not worth it. So I think, you know, that goes into, if we're talking about fans first and really the ultimate customer experience, think about that. Let's not think about how we can scale and grow our business. Let's think about how we can scale the love and care of a few people, a part of our organization. If we do that, everything else will scale with it. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And, and I know in my life, it's the same thing. I can think about the people that have really connected with me versus the people who have just, again, offered me a product or just kind of spoke at me. But the people that I really had that connection with, it took the time to, you know, just a few minutes to really connect with me. That makes a much bigger difference in my life. I'll say this about you, Alex. When you came up to me at PodFest, you could tell how genuinely interested you were. It wasn't about your own agenda. How many times do you go to an event and someone comes up to you about their own agenda? You came to me genuinely interested and I immediately wanted to talk with you. I was I was engaged by you and it wasn't like because you came in with so much energy. You just came in real with like, "Hey, I care, I'm interested, and I immediately wanted to talk more with you." And I think very few people focus on that as much as they should. It's like, 
when you go to a room and there's a thousand people, I'm guilty of it. It's like, oh, how many people can I talk to? How many people can I get seen by? But if you can have two amazing conversations, you'll go home happier than having a thousand short little conversations. Yeah, no, that's it. Jesse, this has been a really insightful conversation. I'm so thankful for you coming on the podcast today. Oh, it's been outstanding. And I, I appreciate what you're doing. And I'm just, I love watching your journey, my friend. Thank you. Jesse truly is the type of guy that stands out. Get this, the day after our interview, Jesse sent me a video where he was thanking me for having him as a guest. That is the only time that's ever happened to me on this podcast. And once again, it's something that Jesse did to stand out. I'm officially a fan of Jesse Cole. So it's time for us all to think about how we can create fans around our brands, not just earn another transaction. People are tired of being another number. And the world is becoming more and more about connection, not transaction. That's good, so I'm saying it again. The world's becoming more and more about connection, not transaction. People do not want to be another number or just a customer of yours or transaction that's one time. They want to be able to be a fan and connect with you. So it's so important that we really implement this into our brands. And you can tell I'm fired up about this. I cannot wait to be talking about this with the entire creating brand community because we're really going to get into this topic the entire week. We're going to be talking about designing the ultimate customer experience together and how we can do this within our brands. It's going to be really fun. So Jesse, thank you for being a guest on the Creating a Brand podcast. It was a insightful episode that I'm very excited to be implementing all this. If you want to learn more about Jesse Cole, visit findyouryellowtux.com. While you're there, take the Tuxometer quiz. Yes, I said that right. The Tuxometer quiz. I did. I'm going to share my results in the Craig Brand community. It's something that's really fun to do. So for show notes from today's episode, visit creatingabrandpodcast.com. Until next week, thank you for listening. <laughs>